Where did the Sooners go after Bryant Wesco? We'll talk about that. And things are rocking up at OKC on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code college, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And as we're recording right now, the Oklahoma Sooners are starting to make things happen in the fourth inning against the Florida State Seminoles, Josh, good things, good vibes on OKC right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're, we're taping this live as this thing's uh, unfolding in front of us, and we'll have more thoughts on softball as we reach the conclusion of the show, and maybe we'll have an idea of how this thing's going to wind up, though. Oklahoma, with this big fourth inning, has uh, has finally jumped in front. Took a little time, but three to nothing, and oh, by the way, it's been spearheaded by Jordy Ball. Anytime there's been any sort of danger, she's been able to heroically avoid it, and oh, by the way, she's the one that comes in to score the first run, so kind of uh, kind of fun in that respect, but uh, it's it's fun to watch as we're taping too. Yep. And like Josh said, we'll discuss this more as the game goes along. We're kind of watching it as we're recording. So if you see us looking off into the distance, that's probably why. Uh, but Josh, let's touch on this first. Bryant Wesco commits to Clemson and it kind of leaves the wide receiver position a little bit in flux. Now you got Zion Kearney, you got KJ Daniels committed to the 2024 class, but Wesco was supposed to be the big fish, the big get, you know, I'm heartbroken over it. I've, I've mourned, I've let it go, but now we're moving on. We're going to look to see, okay, who could replace him on the wide receiver depth chart in the 2024 recruiting class. Ivan Carrion got an offer after camping with the Sooners last week. He was being recruited by Emmett Jones and Josh McQuistion of Sooner Scoop It on three issued a prediction in favor of the Sooners getting the flip. Uh, the Sooners are also going to be hosting Zion Reagan's this weekend, a potential wide receiver addition in the 2024 class, Josh. So first of all, just kind of give me your thoughts on the whole Bryant Wesco thing, and then we can touch on where Oklahoma goes from here at the wide receiver position. Well, my first thoughts on where Oklahoma goes from here is right back to Bryant Wesco before it's all said and done. So I don't think you totally give up on that, that recruitment. I know that obviously there's a commitment to Clemson, but uh, just – just keep that in the back of your mind that uh, it's okay to continue recruiting, even though this is somebody that committed to the former school. It actually, it would be a nice sign, wouldn't it? If Brent Venables is now at this stage, not that maybe he wasn't before. I mean, it, it took uh, somebody making their own choice in Jaron Canick to, to come from a place of being a Clemson commit to uh, obviously an Oklahoma signee. But at this point, if you're Brent Venables with Dabo Sweeney and with anybody in college football, not in a confrontational way, but just in a competitive way, hopefully the gloves are off. And even though this is currently a commitment right now for Bryant Wesco to Clemson, I would hope that Oklahoma, you know, takes the approach that they're not totally done in that respect. But as we, yes, probably resign ourselves to the idea that Oklahoma has to move on. You start with, yeah, Oklahoma's got a couple of nice commitments in KJ Daniels 
and uh, obviously uh, elsewhere, Zion Reagans, somebody that uh, will be visiting Oklahoma. Zion Reagans is a five foot nine, buck fifty, blue chip kid out of Georgia, and a quick run of the tape. John tells us, my man got some speed. He can fly. He's uh, what is he officially here? What do they list him at? Uh, his his clocked one hundred meter time is ten four seven. So lightning fast playmaker is how Andrew Ivans, the 24-7 sports the director of scouting, describes him. One of the best track times in the 2024 cycle. So here's somebody that can move in bunches, John. This would be a great get if Oklahoma down the line was able to win this recruitment. It'll be tough. Uh, you've got competition there, obviously, with the in-state two-time defending national champion in Georgia. And you've got uh, some serious competition with Tennessee, but... Man, uh, it'd be nice to welcome that speed onto campus as we start sort of uh, turning the page on one Mr. Wesco. Yeah, you know, Jeff Lebby is pri- prioritizing speed. I think, you know, the, the first thought we had about how he was going to attack the wide receiver position was we, we saw, you know, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, these big, tall guys that were going to be able to be, you know, big time red zone threats, things like that. Well, that's been the case also as we've moved along, but it, He's also added this speed element that he's really, really trying to acquire. Uh, they got it in KJ Daniels, looking like they're not settling on any of it and potentially trying to add Zion Kearney. They got it in Jaquay's Petaway, who's now on campus in Norman. So an interesting element to that, if they're able to add kind of two maybe smaller, speedier, you know, deep threats in, you know, Reagan's, in addition to the commitment they already have from Daniels, I mean, speed kills and you can't have enough of it. And I think that's one thing that Alabama really showed us, you know, during the years that they had like Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith and Henry Ruggs and all those guys, like you couldn't stop them. You couldn't slow them down because, you know, they'd pound away at you with the run game and then they just beat you, beat you, beat you over the top with all that speed that they had. And it's not like they said, Oh, we got one speed guy and we're good. No, they tried to find as much speed as they could possibly find at wide receiver. And it worked. Their offenses were absolutely incredible during those years, especially with Tua. you know, um, now I'm blanking on the recent Heisman trophy winner and Devontae Smith. No, Devontae Smith, but also the quarterback, Bryce Young. Thank you. Bryce Young, um, the quarterback, you know, from the two to Bryce Young years, those offenses were very, very explosive. And, you know, it seems like that's kind of what Jeff Levy's trying to do as well. You know, yeah, he's going to have the big traditional, you know, X wide receiver type, the 6'1", 6'2 guy, but he's really trying to attract a lot of deep threats. And I think with the quarterback play that they they have coming, especially Jackson Arnold, you know, in the, you know, he's here, but it's going to be the pretend, Blah, 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 blah. presumably the starter in 2024 dude's got a cannon and you got to have guys that are going to be able to win deep so that he can get them the ball down the field. I mean, that's, that's a big part of Jeff Levy's offense is hitting those big plays. And if they can, they've got KJ Daniels committed. If they can add a Zion Reagans in addition to that, man, that that'd be, I'd be thrilled with that. app. I'm with you. And uh, whether that's, you know, pet away in the here and now, and then as you project forward, somebody like a Reagans that, Let's not forget, I mean, if you could beat Georgia in this recruitment, I know that there's obviously, for good reason, Oklahoma fans that are disappointed that you missed out on a five-star kid in, uh, in in Wesco, at least for now. Let's not, again, totally close that chapter, but at least for now you've missed out there. But if you can beat Georgia in any sort of recruitment, the two-time defending national champion, that would be significant, John. 
What about for carry on a flip in that respect from Texas tech? I know that, you know, now as we start projecting forward, Oklahoma, that that's not, uh, it'll always be a recruiting rival in Texas tech, just based on simply the proximity of it all, but it's not going to be a conference rival going forward for Texas tech, but Hey, that's a, a program that has a, a coach that just started that people are very excited about that when McGuire took the gig, it was sold to you, I, and everybody else that McGuire was somebody that really had these great in-state ties and was going to win some of these important recruiting wars. So I don't know that, uh, you know, that would be an insignificant recruiting win. I know it's not Georgia, right, as uh, as it would be for a Zion Reagans, but man, to, to go ahead and win a battle versus a Texas Tech with a coach that people are high on in terms of the relationships in-state, in carry-on, to get that flip, I think, John, uh, that would be a big-time win for OU. I do think so. And yet, yes, I know people are going to say, well, he's just a four-star player. Yeah, I get that. You know, the, the stars matter. We're going to continue to back the stars. At the same time, trust the evaluation, too. Trust Emmett Jones and his ability to evaluate wide receiver talent. This is a good player. If you watch him on huddle, he's a smooth player. Like for somebody that's six, six, he really moves relatively easy. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't look herky jerky out there. He's able to make guys miss in the open field with some lateral agility. And he's got enough, you know, breakaway speed to, to be a downfield threat too. So, you know, you add all that to the size element of it. And I mean, it's a really, really intriguing prospect. You know, anytime you can add six, six on the outside, that makes you a threat because how many six, six corners are there? There's not any, how many six, four, six, three, six, two, there's very few of them. You, you've got a few, but you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find a lot of corners across the country that are six oh and, pl- and up. I mean, some of those are going to be on Oklahoma's roster, but you're not going to be able to find, you know, many of them everywhere else. So it's, it's an immediate mismatch out there at the wide receiver position. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm sad about Bryant Wesco, but I'm also excited about Ivan Carrion. Two things can be true at the same time. It's a miss on Bryant Wesco, and some good things are potentially coming if they're able to land a flip from Ivan Carrion. I'm with you. And it's worth saying as we – have a little bit of the panic button, I know, and understandably has been sounded across Sooner Nation. If if Oklahoma winds up with Zion Reagans, Ivan Carrion, Zion Kearney, and KJ Daniels, that's a really good group of four in a receiver class. You didn't get Wesco, but collectively, John, that would be a really, really nice wide receiver haul. It would, and it would also kind of help make up for the loss of Keon Brown who's having to go the Juco route right now. And so it helps kind of satisfy that wide receiver pledge a little bit. Uh, we'll see how it all transpires. I mean, it again, we're excited about Zion Kearney. We're excited about KJ Daniels. Zion Reagan's got the juice. If you can add him, you you don't say no. And then again, Ivan Carrion's got the size. Now there's some rumor out there that maybe they're floating tight end or there's some disagreement about if he's a wide receiver or a tight end. To me, he's a wide receiver. He's It's hard to for me to imagine putting – 50 pounds on a kid and saying, okay, you're going from wide receiver to play an inline tight end. So I'd like him as a wide receiver at Oklahoma. They might disagree with me. That's okay. I'm not a college football coach, uh, but an intriguing, intriguing prospect there for the Sooners. Uh, turning the page. We haven't had a chance to discuss this yet, but the SEC decided on their conference format, at least for the 2024 season. We'll discuss it 
on the ne next here on Locked On Sooners. Sorry, Jada Coleman just laid down a bunt. But first, let me talk to you all about Bird Dogs. Some fantastic shorts, stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact thing, same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And again, designed for men. They fix the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you can get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They're fantastic. They're comfortable and they have the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order as birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, Josh, eight game sec schedule. It's intriguing. You know, we talked about it a little bit as it was being floated more and more. Yeah. We kind of wanted to see the three permanent rivals, six rotating, but the one and seven format, isn't all bad either. You know, you'll get to see all seven teams at, you know, at your home at least once every four years, you'll have a home and home with everybody in the sec at least every four years. So that's kind of an intriguing aspect of it too. Who knows if it continues at eight uh, in 2025 and beyond, but at least for the 2024 season, Oklahoma is going to be playing an eight game sec schedule. Yeah. I wish it was nine. I I've been pretty, clear and, and open and honest about that, but Hey, it is what it is. And if, uh, if it's the one seven, which it's going to be the one seven, you get Texas and then you rotate the other seven to me, one seven, seven, I guess, if you want to, you know, take it out to, uh, two years, you'd rotate those seven and you, you play everybody. And, and ultimately that's been the biggest thing for me is, don't get into a situation where you're in a 16 team sec and all of a sudden you've got a Georgia, Texas A&M situation going on to where I, this is why Oklahoma fans are so excited about the sec is to play Alabama, to play LSU, to play Georgia, to play Florida, to play Tennessee. Need I go on? You, you, you catch the drift here. It's to play those every single one of those powerful schools, historic programs, and to see them on not a once every six, seven, eight years basis, but on a every other year's basis or on a I host you once every four years basis. So as long as that's the situation, whether it's eight or nine, I would prefer nine just in general, greedily myself, John. But I'm not going to lose a ton of sleep over it if you, again, get the frequency of opponents here and if you keep the Texas game. Right. And the Texas game, to me, it's a no-brainer. If Greg Sankey breaks up OU in Texas as an annual game, he's not the great commissioner we think he is. It, that'd be a foolish move. So that game is going to happen every single year. But, yeah, you're going to get to see Alabama. It, you know, you're going to you're going to play him twice every four years, and you're going to have him once in your home every four years. Same with Georgia. Same with Florida, LSU. Like, to me, these are the dream matchups. It's what you kind of hope for if you're ever – you know, playing NCAA, EA Sports, NCAA football, and you're like, you're know, wanting to create your own schedule, create your own league sort of a thing, getting these two teams, these historic rival or historic teams and matchups on the calendar, that that's big for the Sooners. It's big for college football. I mean, I, I still, I cannot imagine what Norman's going to be like the first time the Crimson Tide roll in uh, for a football game and for the first time in quite some time same with georgia and, and florida like those are going to be really really fun or when or when oklahoma goes down to athens and plays in georgia at georgia yeah it's going to be a tough environment but it's going to be a cool environment too 
you know, you don't get that very often and you're, but you're going to get it almost every single week uh, when you're in the sec. So it's going to be really, really good times. Is there a, a, you know, outside of Texas being the obvious choice, is there one team, Josh, that you want to see on that 2024 schedule, which is actually going to come out on June 14th, shockingly enough. Like it's just like just yesterday we got the big 12 schedule, I feel like, but now we're getting the sec schedule here in a little bit too. So uh, it's really exciting times. I don't know that there's one other team in particular from the SEC that I'm looking forward to. Just the collective nature of it, I think, is what I'm excited about. I guess Alabama, just because that's been the the program that has been the it program. Now, now it's Georgia, obviously, because uh, they've overtaken the throne, beat Alabama to do so, and have won back-to-back national titles. But just because of the last decade and a half and the Nick Saban era, whether it's here or there would like to see Oklahoma play Alabama in that first season. I think a death Valley trip would be really, really fun. I don't know that you get both necessarily in year one. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you get one at home and one away. That would be a ton of fun, but those would probably be for me, the, the first two Alabama because of who they've been and the excitement that would surround that Homer away. And then LSU, because you hate LSU and you don't like that fan base. And it's going to be fun to go to death Valley. I think. Yeah, for sure. How about this one, Josh, the forced uh, awkwardness in having Tennessee come to Norman uh, in 2024, you know, get Josh Heupel back on Owen field and in Gaylord family, Oklahoma Memorial stadium. Just, you know, I know there's been a little bit of tension over the last, you know, decade or so, uh, maybe not a decade. Man, has it almost been a decade since he was here? Jeez. Um, you know, time heals all wounds, but that's a dude that deserves to get his flowers on the Owen field stage in front of a capacity crowd, just because of what he did as a player and as a coordinator. I mean, I know he, he was removed as offensive coordinator by Bob Stoops, but it shouldn't discount anything he did during his time. I mean, Oklahoma had some really, really good offenses. And I think had he gotten a stay and had a chance to build with Baker Mayfield, who knows what this team could have done. Uh, offensively with, with Heupel at the helm. I mean, we saw what he did with Tennessee last year. I mean, had them as a national title contender in a similar vein to Lincoln Riley, where they were having to score a ton of points to stay in games. And, and he was able to do it. The second one, just because, you know, got to get a Stoops in Norman, you know, every so often that's, you know, getting Kentucky and having uh, Mark Stoops come to Owen field and having a, a big time matchup. Again, a celebration of Stoops is never a bad idea. I don't know if those things will happen, but I just think it'd be a lot of fun to get those on, on the field. And you know, that game between Tennessee and Oklahoma will have a lot of heat to it just because of just feelings, you know, and, and emotion. So I think that could be a lot of fun, but I think probably what'll happen is you get, obviously you get Texas, but I think you'll get Missouri and I would like to see Arkansas on that schedule as well. That that would be like the, the I think Missouri happens, but I really would like to see Arkansas happen. That's a game that needs to happen on a regular basis. Obviously, it will now that they're in the SEC. It it could potentially become the new Bedlam because of the regional you know closeness of it. So that's kind of where I stand on the, the, the eight game. If you want to check out my mock schedule for the 2024 season, you can go check it out over at Sooners wire. Uh, just type in, you know, sec schedule and you know, it'll pop up there for you in the search bar, but it, it's just a lot of fun to look at all the possibilities. There's so many possibilities of what it could be. And, and it's going to be fun regardless of what it ends up being like. 
And in one week's time, John, all of the guessing will be over. You and I will be able to sit here and say, maybe we won't, probably we, we, we won't know the way the dates are arranged, I wouldn't imagine, but we'll know Oklahoma's SEC opponents. Think about that. That's crazy. After all this speculation and all this talk, I, I, maybe it's not that crazy. It feels like it should be here. We've speculated and thought, will there be a, buy, a buyout? Won't they? Uh, you know, is there an early exit? What, what does all of it look like for Oklahoma and Texas, even dating back to the the initial report? Like, is this actually going to happen? Is is Oklahoma actually leaving the Big 12? Are they going to go to the SEC? And then you get the votes, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, everything that's happened since. Yeah, it's probably, I guess, the right time for this. But it, it is still in some ways kind of wild that one week from now, you and I are going to be able to sit here and chop it up about this this is what it looks like for Oklahoma in that first year. So very, very fun. Very fun. Now let's turn our attention to softball. Oklahoma now leads four to nothing uh, going into the sixth inning. Uh, Florida State is about to come up to bat. But, man, with the way Jordy Ball is dealing right now, it's – I mean, you got to wonder, okay, do you keep Jordy Ball in for the sixth and seventh or do you go to your relief? You go to Nicole May, you go to, you know, uh, Alex Tarocco, who was seen warming up in the bullpen earlier. Uh, or do you let Jordy Ball finish this out and then just go with whoever you know you feel like is the best matchup for game two? That's a good question. I almost feel like just let her keep rolling. You know, you got something that's not broken now. Four to nothing feels very comfortable, John, given the way this game's played out. But that can change in these types of games in a real hurry. Four runs feels like an insurmountable lead with this Oklahoma team, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't know that I would even mess with it. I, th- I think I'd just stick with it and let her go get you game one. Yeah, I, I think you just ride ride your ace, let her be great. And she's shown you that she can come back on short rest if you need her for game two or if you just want to save her for game three. That's, that's reasonable as well. Um, or, man, if you just feel like, hey, she's just – she is dominating. We'll just throw her out there in game two to start as well and see where we go. Uh, but you know, it looks like Florida state's opting to save their best pitchers now for game two and game three, Catherine Sandercock didn't get the start, probably unlikely to throw any innings in this one, unless the game gets tied up or they go to extra innings or something like that. And then McKenna Reed, who, I mean, she's been really, really good this year. She has a sub one ERA and then just, couldn't get it done against Oklahoma in her you know brief relief appearance. So uh, the Sooners just doing what they got to do. I mean, they're, they're playing small ball. They're not getting the long ball. They've gotten a couple doubles here and there, but really it's just good base running, you know, and, and putting the ball in play and getting it into the outfield. And it's worth pointing out as, uh, as we're taping this live while the game's going on, John, this was not a perfect performance. This was not four to nothing for Oklahoma and, it started out as a little bit of a pitcher's duel, but defensively it was perfect. Oklahoma made multiple mistakes fielding, which is uncharacteristic of them in this game. I mean, a couple of very potentially costly errors that, lo and behold, because Jordy Ball has been that good, they didn't turn into costly mistakes, John. So you really can't tell the story of this game one without, again, pointing to the fact that it was not perfect defensively for Oklahoma, and yet, Jordy ball made it to where that didn't matter or hasn't yet. Yeah. And I I feel like even at at the plate, they've not been um, as locked in and maybe the, the delays have had something to do with that early on. They were taking a lot of pitches, which, Hey, you want to work the pitcher, you know, get them, you know, throwing a lot of pitches. That's fine. But then it seems like 
it seemed like as we got back to the, the top of the order again, you know, Jada and Tiara, they had kind of uncharacteristically not great at bats, uh, but you know, things have settled in. Oklahoma's got a lead. They're up four, nothing again, top of the sixth. Things are kind of cruising for the Sooners. And, and again, they're, they're putting the pressure on Florida state and Florida state really hasn't been able to respond. Jordy ball got the first out of the inning, uh, recovered well from the, the earlier miscue on the, the fielding play. Uh, there was a bunt laid down the, the first baseline. She, you know, rallies over there, collects it, easy throw to first, gets the first out. So it looks like, you know, everything is all right. All is right with the world with the Sooners defense. Uh, again, not very many games. And I'd have to go look to see how many games in which they've had two errors in a game this year, but it, it'd be on a handful, you know, Less than five times, I guarantee it's been less than five times they've had two uh, errors in a, in a game. And um, so far, so far, things are looking like a 50-second straight win and one win away uh, from that third straight uh, big uh, – sorry, Big 12 – Women's College World Series Championship. So Amazing, yeah. And this feels like – we'll see how Florida State responds, assuming that this goes final in Oklahoma's direction. It feels like it's going to go final when it's all said and done. Knock on wood for all of our Sooner fans out there in Oklahoma's direction. But in some ways, this kind of feels, and we'll see how they respond, but I would say this feels like a deflating loss for Florida State. They've still got Sander Cock waiting in the wings, and she'll be totally ready to go. But given that OU made those couple of errors early, John, and it took until the fourth inning when, when Florida State went, the different direction, right? You, you went to Leonard and really uh, it worked more or less beautifully. Like, like you drew it up and you couldn't capitalize on it. Uh, that, that to me feels like maybe Oklahoma is just going to pounce now and, and go capture this national championship tomorrow. Yeah. You can't miss on the opportunities that Oklahoma gives you because they don't give you very many. I mean, there's a reason why they've outscored their opponents by like almost 400 runs this year is because they don't give you many free passes. They don't give you a lot of walks uh, and they don't give you a lot of free bases on errors. And, you know, speaking of not giving up a lot of walks, you know, Jordy ball through five and two thirds hasn't issued a walk. She's allowed just one hit eight strikeouts. And then two runners got on base on an error, like just an incredible performance, you know, and we were talking about it a little bit in pre-show. She's just a sophomore. You know, this is a pitcher that still has two more years of eligibility. Like if she were in major league baseball or if the, you know, if the, the WPF was as big as major league baseball, she probably would be the first overall pick in, you know, the 2024 WPF draft. Um, but I'm not sure how their draft rules work. Like if they can draft, uh, you know, players that still have years of eligibility left or not, but I'm sure that, every team out there is chomping at the bit right now to get Jordy ball on their roster. Uh, and honestly, that's a good thing for the sport, like to have some of these, these players kind of building their reputation and building their, their profile before they get to the professional level. That, man, that's that's going to be great. And, you know, she's now got a, what is it? Two strikes on the hitter in the, the top of the six. Sorry. We got a two, one count. Um, if ESPN is caught up, um, Oh, but just allowed a double. Oh, no. Out at second. Beautiful play by Jada Coleman. My goodness. And you're a little bit in front of me, so I'm going to get to watch this in live time. Yeah. All right. Lift it out. Oh, man. Up against the wall. Turns, fires. Coleman second. Out by a mile. Just oh a gun. Gosh. A laser. 
And, and somebody asked the question on Twitter, how is Jada Coleman not a gold glove recipient? And here we go. Here we are. This is the evidence right here. Uh, end of this, you know, going to the bottom of the sixth, Oklahoma's up for nothing. We're going to let y'all, um, I mean, we're going to have to leave this kind of in suspense. Joshua, should we just keep watching it as we're recording here? I don't know. How we should do no, I, I think we got to leave it in suspense. Okay. The last thing I, the last thing I'd say about this, what looks like it's going to be a win tonight for OU and, uh, puts them one win away from the national championship is this game. Again, you go back to the errors that Oklahoma made, John and Florida state didn't capitalize. And then you fast forward to the bottom of the fourth and guess what happens. Uh, first of all, great coaching challenge by OU as they challenged whether or not there was a hit by pitch and they, they won the challenge. It was pretty clear and obvious that Haley Lee was hit by the pitch. I mean, it, it didn't take them long at all to review it, but all of which is to say, Florida State makes one mistake really there, John, and then guess what happens? They put Jordy Ball in to run. Kinsey Hansen rips a double out there. It's followed by a burrito single. All of a sudden, you, you kind of just get one down on the infield, and there's a throwing error, and just like that, basically the game's over because it's three to nothing, and you've got Jordy Ball in the circle. So this game, to me, can really be – that's a long way to summarize that – Oklahoma made mistakes. Florida State didn't capitalize. Florida State made one mistake. Oh, you did. And you have to. In the finals or the championship series, every little mistake matters, and taking advantage of those mistakes is a big part of the story. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk more about this game after it goes final on our next episode, and then obviously with what goes on at game two, we'll we'll talk about as much of, of that as we can. Um, with the next episode of that, but make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref. Follow me at John nine Williams. The show is at locked on Sooners. And until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Boomer Sooner.